So what are your thoughts on uh, the 1999 classic, The Mummy? Great I don't movie. remember I... very well, but uh, the, the theme park ride at Universal is one of the best ones. I saw it in theaters mm -hmm. way back when it came out. Yeah. Remember that? The only Egypt movie I have an opinion on is Stargate, and my opinion is yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I, Stargate's <laughs> one of those uh, like those franchises that I, w I would hope they could mm -hmm. reboot because we haven't had a good one. <laughs> since are you suggesting not everything with the word stargate on it is perfect i, I am 100 percent suggesting that stargate universe was not perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i know stargate was extraordinary because you see i'm one of those people who gets really prickly when people float the idea that everyone who lived several thousand years ago was really really stupid and therefore didn't know how to pile rocks on top of each other. Therefore, aliens <laughs> definitely must have done it. Like, I will sit there. I will, I will like, duct tape, tape people I mean, to well, like, I, Wouldn't aliens have yeah. technology that would mean they could do something more impressive yeah. than pile a bunch of rocks on top of each other? And I will, I will walk people through, like, here is how it is obvious that human beings built the Great Pyramids. And Stargate was a whole movie about how... You know, actually, it was aliens the whole time, and I still like it. That's how you know I really Yeah, it's like these aliens came down in a spaceship, and they were like, why don't you Egyptians stack some stones together, you know? It's like a weird... Well, speaking of Stargate, what's up, fandom? My name is Josh, and today I am joined by some very special guests. We've got the Lackadaisy team. We've got Tracy Butler, Babel Siegel, and Spike Trotman. So would you guys... Mind introducing your well, I mean, I kind of like yeah. a little introduce yourselves, but you know, <laughs> Go really for it, Tracy. introduce you yourselves. First. Okay, uh, hi, I'm Tracy. I am the creator of uh, Lackadaisy. I have did the comic for years and years, and uh, that's basically what I am and what I do. <laughs> I spend the rest of my time rescuing feral cats, but uh, um, but yeah, that's that's my jam. And I I reached out to Fable and what's it. 2019 2020 about making a cartoon yeah and uh here we are <laughs> yeah and i'm fable uh, i'm a professional cat herder also known as an animation director <laughs> um my uh job is like making sure that everybody like um works together and like they're they're communicating with one another and they understand like where the direction is that it has to go uh i also if you hear uh, birds yelling, I uh, live on Isla Nublar, <laughs> aka mm. like I have I have an aviary outside, and I'm surrounded by birds. And occasionally, you might see uh, a cat hop into my lap because she insists on being baby. So don't mind the noises; like uh, just creatures are what I am uh, always. Surrounded There's a lot of critters by. about. <laughs> Do you have like a Noah's Ark situation going on where like the cats aren't going to attack the birds, or is it like a you never know? Well, you come uh, home. <laughs> well, I don't allow them to interact uh, as much out of concern for the cat safety as the birds, because parrots have uh, very powerful beaks. And meanwhile, the chickens just will not accept it. So uh, <laughs> there's no no cats going to go after them. Um, but uh, the uh, but yeah, they're all they're all pretty good. They're they all have their spaces. They are taken well care of. Um, and uh, I, for the most part, don't have to worry but I, I do have like doors to <laughs> so that they can't access each other uh, if need be. So always uh, very strong about animal safety in this house. So cool. Awesome. And Spike? 
Hi, I'm C. Spike Trotman. Just Spike is fine. And I'm the founder, owner, and president for life of Iron Circus Comics, which is a small to mid comics publisher based out of Chicago, Illinois. We are actually the largest comics publisher in the American Midwest, and we specialize in the strange and amazing. Also, I am the founder, owner, and president for life of Iron Circus Animation, which was born into the pandemic chaos of 2020. It is young and scrappy, and its first and only project is the Lackadaisy animated everything, I guess you could say. Hopefully um, more to come, you know, uh, based more on- More to come, you know, dot, yep. dot, dot, question yeah. mark, stay tuned. Mm -hmm. uh, I am a person who has always been interested in making alternative off the beaten path stuff. So Lackadaisy fit that perfectly. We make award-winning and critically acclaimed media of all stripes, all the way up from the celebrated Smut Peddler Erotica series to the internationally acclaimed Band Book Club by Ryan Estrada. And I absolutely love kind of being at the forefront of new and experimental ways for creators to find their audiences. I was a Kickstarter early adopter. I launched my first project on there the year Kickstarter was founded. And when Kickstarter became sort of fundamentally philosophically intolerable, I made the jump to backer kit, which is where Lackadaisy is funding right now. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And thank thank all of you for for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I, I, I'm tr I was trying to think of the like how I found out about Lackadaisy. Um, I think I had watched a YouTube video because like it was one of those things that it kept popping up in my recommended. Yeah, and I was the robot's like, doing its job. <laughs> I was like, what is this? What is this? Yeah. It keeps saying this lackadaisy. They got these cats, and I'm like, I don't understand why. And so then was I it, watched. Oh, hmm? was it the pilot itself, or was it? Yeah, it was other? the pilot. It was the pilot, okay. and I'm like, what does it want me to watch this 30 minute thing about cats? Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, I I didn't get it. And then I think I watched a video, and someone had said like, yeah, this really cool animation, you know. And I was like, maybe that okay, that's what it is. So then I watched it, and I was like, all right, well, now we're here. And so then I found out that it was the webtoon, and I was like, okay, well, now I get to sit down and read the entire series. Uh, so that's uh, kind of what I did. So really, one of my one of my first questions is, what brought about the idea for Lackadaisy? Um, kind of just a fascination with my local history. I bought an old house in the St. Louis area and started researching it, uh, its history, and that kind of expanded into researching the history of St. Louis. I lived here for for a while and just really took it for granted. Didn't really care that wasn't that fascinated by it. I don't know. You kind of, um. The place you live seems so mundane to you. Um, but you just really don't take that much of an interest in it sometimes. But uh, then I suddenly did, and I found all kinds of interesting things out about it. And uh, I was just kind of wrapped uh, with it. And at the same time, I was listening to a lot of jazz music and like jazz revival stuff, like Squirrel Nut Zippers. And, um, and I had these cat characters from like my junior year uh you know like my, or my junior high school years like middle school junior high and uh, i used to draw them all over my school notes and things i didn't have any context but they all just like suddenly were at the forefront of my mind again i'm like yeah what if i did a thing that like combined all of this stuff uh so i ended up with a prohibition era gangster story featuring cats and jazz and um and i ran with it <laughs> uh some kind of brainworm i don't know <laughs> so, so what exactly is just for, for some of our listeners who may not know uh, a lot about like a daisy what is uh the series about so it's about a uh shady bunch of characters who are all kind of um to be 
uh, unkind to them, losers in their own right. They, uh, a lot of them are, uh, you know, kind of uh, failed musicians and um, uh, failed gangsters and people who've been injured on the job and don't really have any other place to go and um, things like that. And they are trying to keep their their struggling speakeasy alive and doing a fantastically terrible job of it because the competition around them is extremely fierce and well-armed and, and everything. And uh, so, yeah, it's really kind of the misadventures of, of them learning how to uh, learning how to gangster um and uh I, it's learning maybe, how to uh, whether they... you root for them or not is <laughs> questionable <laughs> figuring out how to be you know effective criminals but um mm. but yeah it's very uh slightly farcical historical um tragic comedy i would say uh it is interesting to see like the parallels. Like I'm waiting for like the Kennedy cats to show up and really start. Oh you know, yeah, running. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if there's no, any Joe cats, but there well, was Jimmy Carter. And that Jimmy was, Carter <laughs> made a cami baby Jimmy Carter. He was born in like 1904 or something, or uh -huh. 1907, I think, um, or 1925. I can't remember. But um, yeah, the uh, the the Kennedys, Joe Kennedy, famously, um, not so secretly, I think, made some some of his fortune bootlegging. But that would have been up in the Northeast, so. <laughs> He can make his way down, you know, so I'll, I'll allow him, you know, for, for his <laughs> Um, so, uh, so prohibition and everything like that, like what was like, was there, were there any other like inspirations for, for the comic? Uh, I mean, the, a lot of the characters are actually based on cats I had as, as a kid, uh, which people kind of find amusing, I guess. But the cats, I don't know if you've ever was had an actual Rocky pet cat, actual but yeah, there's an actual Rocky. Yeah. There was an actual Calvin who was Freckles yeah. based on. There was an actual Ivy. There was a Mitzi. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, they, they all kind of started out as, as animals I knew. And that just kind of formed a very um, uh, basic foundation for what the character then became. But uh, um, cats have a, have a lot of personality. And uh, I don't know, they just kind of fit that that uh, criminal mold a little a little too well. They're a little bit Machiavellian, but also very charming at the same time. And so I felt like it was just kind of a somehow it worked um, to just populate this world with with felines. Um, so, yeah. Um, but I mean, all kinds of influences from all over the place. There's a whole lot of like, you know, Don Bluth looking influences and things like in the way I, that I draw and you know disney and uh we made the pilot kind of deliberately look like the xerox era um yeah, we wanted to be dirty homage to like, it anyway you can make yeah. everything look so clean nowadays with the way yeah. that we do animation now where it's entirely digital and i really wanted to get uh texture back in there right there's no the way that we were going to reproduce uh the way that tracy illustrates the comic so like if you're if your viewers are like well, that's a cool premise. Uh, what does it look like? It's like everything's a gorgeous illustration. It needed that patina. Like we couldn't do yeah. that super smooth, clean looking gradient look no. that you tend to naturally get when you're doing things digitally. And so we had to actually go back in and add more texture to yeah, it we, to try to created, like, crunch it up a little like, bit. <laughs> new unique systems just to uh, make it look like it was actually drawn with pencils and like dirty up the 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 colors of the characters and 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 give it like just this 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 texture that is uh, largely lacking in a lot of modern animation. And you start to see coming back in more and more, like uh, I'm sure people really like, like the artist hand, like the Ninja, Ninja, the new Ninja Turtles animated mm -hmm. film has Spider a lot of that. Where, like there's like, uh, they're, they're adding sketchy lines and stuff. Yeah, stuff as the Puss in Boots comics. Last Wish had a lot of the same thing where the, the you yeah. could see the, the blotchy texture on the, instead yeah. of trying to get that like really, really smooth, like Pixar, like, like I think we've gone as far as we can go with that, like, ultra but refined it's, it's uh 
you know? it's everything's saturated. It's just what's expected. And so if you want to make something visually stand out, like you start going like, well, what, what doesn't look like something, but where's like, the messiness the of the artist's hand in there and the, yeah. the thought process of the artist that you can see through the art, you know, yeah. but beyond just like an aesthetic quality where it's like, yeah, we like that. It, it also um, triggers that like nostalgic feeling that we want to confront in the story. Cause a lot of lackadaisy is about confronting the impact of nostalgia on your actions and, and your yeah. image of the future and how it's informed by the past and maybe a past that's not as rosy as you manage and, and maybe not even worth preserving. So by having a, a look that uh, calls up memories of, you know, of what the majority of our audience would consider like their, their childhood cartoons, uh, a lot of some of the darker stuff um, from the 80s and the 70s and et cetera, um, you can start, you, you kind of are like psychologically cued to be like, oh, this is the environment that it takes place in. Like you can, you can accept that something with like this much aesthetic would also be for uh, adults primarily. Not that it's like full of like, you know, tons of sex scenes and like torture or anything it's like that. It's kind of a PG-13. Yeah, area, it's more PG-13, but... but you can expect adult subject matter to be occurring in, in something like this. And uh, stories being told that would kind of go over the heads of like um, most children, well, hopefully at least. Um, so uh, we think so. Like the the style choice was extremely deliberate, especially as we could not directly translate what Tracy does in the comics into an animated format without it taking like a lot more time, a lot more money, proprietary software that we don't have access to. And I'm not and sure it would have looked good either because yeah, not there's only so much, you yeah. know, you want areas of low detail and high detail, especially when you're watching moving pictures. What works for a static comic panel doesn't necessarily work for a exactly. film. So. so it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe you could do some things if you had like Klaus tech, you know, available to you. But would we have necessarily actually wanted to make use of that? And I actually really like what we managed to achieve uh, with the, the time and budget we have. And we want to just keep exploring that. Is is that the way that the entire series is going to be? Because that was one of the first things that I noticed. Um, mm -hmm. I do because like I love like 101 Dalmatians because it's got that Xerox, you know, that whole thing. And I was yeah, like, exactly. to me, yeah, it's the, the so good. The grit of the paper is there. Yeah. So, so like I love that. So like if if that is the way that we're going to get the entire series, I'm all for that because it was very stylistic and I really yep. liked it. Yep. Um, it, oh, yeah. like, like, it was, we it was still... nostalgia for me. I was like, <laughs> I remember when I was Good. a kid watching Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what we like to hear because we there are a lot of people who watch it and go, oh, you accidentally left the sketch line. Yeah, yeah, I was about to, like, <laughs> I was about to comment on that going, oh, wow, it's a shame they did all this hard work and then they forgot you to erase the pencils in that one like... panel. <laughs> it's like, no, it was extra work to put those back in. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we're, we're planning to go ahead with with that look uh, look and feel and we actually did release a teaser for mm -hmm. season one that has that same treatment um same texture and treatment to it so yeah like uh, what we did with the with the pilot even actually influenced the further development of um of tomb boom harmony the software that we used for it where they now have like an automated uh texture line boil node that was directly inspired by uh what we did in the pilot because we have we are in close communication with their teams and their development team in particular so like the the needs for our production ended up influencing actually the direction of that software and that's been a, a very good relationship so, thus far so i want to keep taking advantage of that awesome uh um, what are some uh, like what are some of your favorite characters? So we're gonna go around everybody. So what's what? Who's one of your one or two of your favorite characters? 
Uh, I guess I'll I'll start with Rocky because he's it's an ensemble cast, but he's if you could say there's a protagonist, it's probably him, um, like a main protagonist, uh, and he is based on a cat from my childhood who was uh, just made of trouble um, and <laughs> never shut up. And he's kind of and, and it ended up being a character translating into a character who's this uh, down on his luck jazz musician who's really just looking for a place to be. Uh, to be his home um kind of a little bit of a found family thing but the exact wrong found family for somebody in his situation don't um, find his family this is the yeah he's kind of a theater <laughs> kid but he's trying to be a gangster which just it's it's a bad mix um but he Criminal is artist is is not he is if nothing else creative <laughs> we had one of those it was uh, called the outsiders we had they had made they had a yeah. whole movie <laughs> Yeah. So he's uh what he does have on his side is his his creativity and penchant for un, unmitigated destruction. So um so yeah, that's I, I have a lot of fun with him. I wouldn't say he's my favorite favorite because I they're my all my brain children and I'm not supposed to pick favorites, but um uh -huh. and it changes day to day too. So but I, I do have a lot of fun writing and drawing him because he's very um he's kind of the antithesis of my own personality, which is pretty quiet and reserved and introverted and he's very loud and out there and and theatrical and um so it's just kind of nice to let loose with him and let him act and do things that i would never do and say things in ways i'd never say them so nice you know, uh, what about you spike gosh um it's kind of a tie really like naturally i i kind of prefer antagonist to protagonist it's just it's just a thing i have i think the bad guys to put it simply have a, a little bit more I don't know. Confidence. They have more charisma. Swagger. Uh, yeah. It's well, like they that's kind of the They're in the yeah. rough and tumble world. Yeah. So. And they, yeah. they seem to have a lot more ambition too than, than good guys as in general, in general. And uh, it's kind of a tie. Like I like Seraphine, but I also like Mordecai and it feels, I know like Mordecai is kind of almost the easy answer because Mordecai is everybody's favorite, but <laughs> Yeah, I, he, I, he tends to be the fan favorite. Everybody. Every time we take a poll, like who do you want to see as a plush? More, yeah, yeah, the but guy like, who wants to be le least wants to be a plush. Is like, like I, Seraphine stuffy. is like conceptually yeah. really cool to me, but Mordecai kind of has the whole package. Like, I like the voice that someone gives him. I I like the the backstory. I have I have a predilection for black cats anyway. I think they're the coolest kind of cat. So it's kind of. It would feel intellectually dishonest to say anyone but Mordecai. <laughs> uh, Even if that's the most basic answer. <laughs> uh, my, I don't know. My answer is pretty basic. <laughs> uh, my favorite is like, like kind of like Tracy. It's like, I like all of them in different ways and like it, it can change day to day, but consistently I will say that uh, the, I love the Savoies. Uh, they are mm -hmm. uh, like having family uh, in Louisiana. Like they are kind of like, close to home for me um and i was very interested in just mm -hmm. like the the way in which like these guys are like yeah we'll probably die young but we'll we'll like have a shitload of fun you know doing it at least um and they're a lot more intelligent than like a lot of people give them credit for but also mm -hmm. i just I, I love seraphine she is so much better than me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's just like oh she's she is made of knife and i love her <laughs> Um, so for, uh, let's, let's, we can kind of, let's kind of move into like the animation aspect. So when did the idea to animate the series kind of come around? Um, so I kind of had that in the, in my head right from the, the outset. I, the reason I started doing Lackadaisy as a comic was 
almost explicitly because I couldn't do it as an animation by myself. I, I had this long form story I wanted to do. I could have maybe approached it as short little animations if I really wanted animate, to animate it, but I was working in the game industry at the time. Lackadaisy was my nighttime. Like I was moonlighting as a comic artist at that point. So, um, so I didn't have like a, a team of people. I didn't have the software available to me. I did definitely didn't have the funding. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have needed to have a team of animators help me out making it. So, yeah. um, so, uh, all of those resources were maybe six, seven years in the future. Um, and, uh, so I just decided, well, I, I want to do this visually either way. So I guess long form storytelling, I'm going to be doing it solo. Let's, let's make a comic. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I did, and, uh, I really fell in love with, with comics as an art form in the process of doing that. It's, it's pretty amazing. All of the different disciplines that come together to to make comics what they are and all the things you can learn doing it um but uh but every time i close my eyes i and think of what's happening in the story and, and do that like interior writing that you do um i'm seeing animated characters like it's a don bluth film so um and so i i, I kind of held on to that and i was like maybe someday i'll get to do that and and then um come was it 2019 or something like yeah, that 2019 uh you came to me because i was like I need to replace computer parts and I have no savings. Whatsoever. Yeah. Fable put kind of broadcast out yeah. there, like looking for animation work. And yeah. I was like, Oh, Hey, maybe, uh, and you know, it was springtime and I was maybe a little hypomanic or something. And I decided <laughs> let's, uh, let's make a mistake <laughs> of contacting me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and then it was like kind of a runaway train from that point. On, I promise so. you, it was like, I will get this made. You're like, yeah, okay. And I was like, yeah. no, I'm serious. Yeah. And I, I reached out to Fable specifically yeah. about initially just about a, making a pitch. We were just mm -hmm. like, Hey, what, what, what do you think about like, you know, teaming up to make a pitch about this and just see what happens. And I didn't really think anything would come of it. Um, figured, you know, but at least, hey, maybe I'd have something cool to hang on to, like a little memento and, and like a little package that explains what Lackadaisy is. And I could share it with patrons or something like that. But um, uh, as it turned out, Fable was was going to make cartoon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm making cartoons. Like, I am getting this done. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I really have been looking for an excuse to do that, too. So um that's kind of where spike came in we're like well how, okay how do we fund this how do we get the yeah. money to do it so uh i was at a show called comic arts la it is a very bizarre convention um it's very small it takes up i think like two basketball courts in size so it's, yeah, a it's little, literally in a gymnasium <laughs> it's literally in a gym and it's so tiny but it's in la and it has people walking around the floor in the animation industry, like Matt Groening was going from table to table buying people's minis and Rebecca Sugar and Ian Jones Cordley were there and just people who worked in animation and were showrunners and were like, if you're a nerd, they're a big deal. And they were just walking around looking at people's comics. It felt weird and magical. <laughs> and when I was getting ready to go, I was in a terrible mood. It was a massive disaster because UPS had absolutely fucked up and they had not delivered my books to the show. So I had nothing to sell. And I was just watching the, the tracking number while I was getting ready to pack for the show and just going, I'm going to have nothing there. I kind of don't even see the point of going. This sucks. And my husband, bless him, convinced me to go. It's like, just go, just have a good time. Even if nothing shows up, you can go to all those Hollywood cemeteries. You're more cannot ass be said enough. About. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Go to all those fucking Hollywood cemeteries. You're more ass ones. Like go see Liberace or something like do something you always talk about doing. And I'm like, okay, fine. 
And I packed an extra suitcase full of books to sell at the table. And when I got there, it turns out, I guess nobody was paying any attention to the tracking number because the books had arrived and now I had twice as many books and I knew I wouldn't be able to sell them all. So like things still sucked, even though my book showed up and I decided, no, you know what? I'm not going to freak out. I'm just going to try and salvage what's definitely going to be an awful convention and <laughs> put the books on the table and just grin, rictus grin and just try and move as many books as possible so I don't have to pack all these out and pay the airline an arm and a leg to load them as extra baggage and so on and so on. And while I'm sitting at my table, uh, Fable comes up to me and Fable's like, hey, hi. Uh, it's so weird seeing you here because there was a thing I, I want, I've been meaning to like ask you about because at this time I had run a whole bunch of crowdfunds already and I kind of had a whole high profile as a person who knew how to run crowdfunds. And I was like, sure. And Fable mentioned that Tracy Butler might be interested in like joining forces with Iron Circus and trying to finance a cartoon that way. And it was bizarre. It was this beautiful alignment of the planets because that was something I'd always wanted to get in on, but I had no idea how. I I am not delusional enough to believe that I have the expertise it takes to run an animation studio. I had never even dipped a toe in that. And like, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, to like, be fair i've had like a a decade in the business uh and like one yeah. of the things that even got me into it wasn't just like a love of cartoons but a love of like the process of making cartoons like i've been really interested in that particular angle since i was like a young child but yeah. uh yeah i mean i'm i'm uh it, i will willfully put on blinders be like sure i'll do that like oh get we have to make a cartoon we have to build a whole studio for it okay yeah and <laughs> I, I just immediately just like leapt on Fable like a feral animal. Like, yes, I want to do this. I want to, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do this. Let's talk about this. I will email you when I get back. We have to do this. We have to do this. And I began messaging my husband incoherently. <laughs> like the minute Fable walked away. And I was just like, clear the calendar. Clear the calendar. We're making cartoons. We're going to make a cartoon. We're going to make a lack and easy cartoon. Figure it out. I, 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 hold on. Let me just- He, like, he must pop. have thought that you got into a weed brownie or something. Like, <laughs> go relax and, in LA. I, how much relaxing are you doing? <laughs> and he was just messaging me back going, what? What? No, slow down. What are you talking about? None of this makes any sense. Can you please explain it in a way that's comprehensible? And- that's kind of where things kicked off. And I also sold out of books, even though I bought twice as many as I thought I was going to bring. So Kala has got the, you know, it's got the gold medal for best convention I'd ever done because it not only kicked off lackadaisy, but I sold out. Mm -hmm. I remember coming home that day and I was like, cool, I did that. And I was like, oh God, what did I do? <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, you can't walk this one back. Yeah, That's going to be real now. <laughs> yeah, life isn't fiction, you know? So there are oftentimes very few points in the average life where you can say there, right then is when things took a 90 degree turn and my entire mm -hmm. life changed. But yeah. that is definitely... That it was moment. definitely several moments of serendipity that just all lined up. And, yeah. and then to top yeah. it off, we launched our <laughs> Kickstarter on the day that everything went into COVID lockdown. That was yes. great. I yeah. love that conversation where we're all, we were all brought into our Skype call and Spike was like, Fable, I'm, I'm leaving this to you to decide. Like we could be going 80 miles per hour into a brick wall. And I yeah. said to you, I was like, look, if we don't do it now, it's just not going to happen. Like yeah. this is only getting it worse. Uh, and boy, well, was yeah, there I was right? this, and, yeah, yeah, there was uh, this sense at the time that oh, maybe this will be over in a week or so, or no, two weeks, yeah. and and no, uh, I, I pay too much attention to like science news, and and knew that the CDC had been 
gutted last year mm -hmm. so i was like oh we're fucked so um the, and uh, we had a, we were working with a yeah. marketing professional to mm -hmm. do promo like i i've been working with marketing people for my kickstarters for a while now my crowdfunds i should say for a mm -hmm. while now and um he was not jazzed <laughs> he was not no, jazzed about I don't trying think to anybody was that thrilled by the uh the turn of events <laughs> right um, because if you recall as yeah, as yeah. things were shutting down for covid people this were losing March. jobs and uh, people were losing market the, crash. the economy yeah. tank too. the stock market yeah. crash so uh so we were looking at that going uh-oh no one's yeah. gonna Is anybody gonna want to donate i don't yeah you know. and we were having discussions about the total and everything and fable kind of after some thought was like i i think we can do it for 100k i think we can do what i want to do for 100k and my marketing guy was he, he was skeptical because the big thing was we had never asked for anything like this before. Mm -hmm. uh, Iron Circus was used to crowdfunding for comics, but we we had no cachet. We had no rep when it came to animation. Mm -hmm. So he was very cautiously and sensibly saying that, you know, don't consider this a, a, a sure thing and maybe mm -hmm. make sure that you don't ask for so much that it won't hit goal because people can't get over their initial skepticism that you can pull this off and he was talking to me behind the scenes he's like are you sure i can't convince you to go with 80k because once you hit six figures that's when it gets a little weird and i was like look fable says they need 100k and if they need 100k they need 100k mm -hmm. and we I think our first it. goal was set to 85 but like an eighty-five thousand dollar funding goal like if that's mm -hmm. all we had been able to reach it would have been scale down tremendously yeah. <laughs> and like we launched lot. we launched yeah. the crowdfund and it ended up making like i want to say like 328 or something like that like, it was 330 yeah. even a little over 330,000 dollars and mm -hmm. for a long time it was it was kickstarter's highest backed short film project it it beat out like hair love i'm pretty sure won an oscar and it beat hair love for highest funded short film and it eventually like a year later got dethroned by don hertzfeld which i'm okay with like if yeah it's like gonna... it was like if you're gonna be beaten <laughs> by somebody don hertzfeld's pretty good yeah the, the guy who made rejected <laughs> yeah. can take my crown it's okay yeah happily i'm like yay <laughs> yeah the hiatus is bleeding yeah. he can have it it's fine and and uh we spent the next several years making a cartoon uh, yep. so while making the cartoon, what were some of the challenges of like taking Tracy's comic and turning that into animation? Because they look two completely different things. Like, yeah, how, yeah, like to, how did that kind of work out? We had well, to redesign all of the characters yeah. to be animatable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I already uh, described like a like uh, leaning into the Xerox era also meant that I was taking some of the uh, the uh, design decisions from the Xerox era that like helped make it more doable. So it's like simplifying things down as much as possible so that you could get more acting out of the characters rather than just sheer detail. Because uh, like, there's not, like there's plenty of examples of, of animation out there that people consume on the regular with like, that is just goddamn gorgeous. But mm -hmm. the, the acting is uh, pretty subpar or like very secondary in consideration. Um, not that everything else isn't also important in its own right, but we really wanted to have something very acting intense because that was largely what inspired us when we were younger to get into what we were doing, what what uh, drove us to uh, go into our respective fields. So uh, we wanted to set something up that gave plenty of room for that, like gave a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of power in the in the animator's hands to really 
figure out the character, you know, scene to scene um, and give it plenty of room and breadth. Um, so there, and also just like having the voice actors even come together and them, you know, actually perform together while we were in Discord calls and recording them, not recording them off of Discord, they would record themselves and then send that to us. But just doing everything we could to like get it to feel as natural as possible. Um, while also like keeping everybody in the loop for like what direction this was going in um, and trying not to silo off uh, uh, parts of our team so that they could see how each of the them like how their work would stitch in together and that made for like a much more a, a much stronger crew that like felt like they were all moving in unison and encouraging each other um, and I tried to foster that as best I could because that was one of the, the better aspects of working in studios was when you could see other people's work and you felt inspired by that and you felt like you knew what direction you were going in, as opposed to a lot of times when you are working freelance or um, working from home before COVID and you might interact with like a, a director or a line producer and you don't see what other people are doing or in some productions where you, you only see like a, your team and what they're doing and like a few people and then and then years later, you can see everything stitched together. Um, I think it's really beneficial on collaborative projects that you get people working together as much as possible. Um, and it's uh, enormously beneficial that since Lackadaisy has been around since like 2006, that uh, a lot of people on our team were familiar with the comic. Uh, and if they weren't initially, then they became familiar with the comic. So there was uh, something for them to look at and be inspired by. So when we had our, our background people working, we could point to the comic. When we had uh, our animators or our voice actors doing their respective acting jobs, uh, we could we could point to the comic and be like, here's how this character is. And so everything's a lot more fleshed out than would be typical on any average pilot, um, just because there's so much more material to draw on and taking advantage of that the best we could. So it was more than just like visual inspiration, but um, really being directly inspired by Tracy's work and having Tracy herself be available throughout that production process. Like she was there practically every day along with me sitting in voice calls. Um, it meant that people could come in and ask questions. And um, I became familiar enough with the story and its direction and the generally what Tracy was going for that I could answer questions directly. But if I didn't know, like, you know, Tracy was right there to answer as well and, and offer up any subtlety that maybe some of us might have missed. Yeah, it's, um, it's mm -hmm. an interesting challenge taking characters mm -hmm. who are only appear in static comic panels and then making them something way more specific than that. Um, mm -hmm. When you're reading something like a comic, you are filling in the voice yourself and, and the way the character is moving around, given the visual cues that, that a otherwise static image is giving you. And so we had to really find actors who we thought matched up really really well um mm -hmm. we we cast only with that in mind and not with like we weren't hiring people based on their popularity or anything like that it was only ever does this person match the character is this getting it right and in some cases we had a very easy time finding that voice and in some cases we had a very difficult time finding that mm -hmm. voice but we kept on looking until we found them mm -hmm. um and uh and that that had a lot to do with i think making them convincingly like the character in the comic because mm -hmm. you don't want to do it is actually poses a special um, challenge because people will have that voice in their head and and then you come along with this voice cast announcement that this person is voicing it and they're like that's not what I hear and you yeah. know and so we had to really I think convince some people that this actually is the right actor for this mm -hmm. um you know it may not be what you were hearing in your head when you read the comic but um but let us show you this character in movement with the mm -hmm. voice doing the things they do um alongside the the music and ambient sounds and everything else around them and and then maybe 
you will be convinced that this was the right choice. So, mm -hmm. uh, so that was a that was a particular challenge. Um, but we I had I feel a good like time we... warming the audience up to them also through the uh, the comic yeah. dumps where we took some of Tracy's mini comics and we turned them into motion comics and uh that was a pretty good time because um i got to establish a working relationship with our with our sound designer uh m guare who is uh responsible for most of the sound design in the film um who also did uh sunset rose cocktail which is that bop at the end that everybody seems to like a lot which has kind of become like lackadaisy sound at this point. Mm -hmm. um, very, very talented uh, music composer. And I was very interested to see what a music composer could bring to lackadaisy as a sound designer, because um, you can't have a story that takes place during the jazz age and then not have someone musically inclined um, be a huge part of it. You just can't. But yeah, the uh, those, those comic dubs turned out to be like a really good way to, before, the pilots, like uh, some aspects of, it, of its production really started like kicking the high gear, like working out how to communicate with certain people, getting them to uh, understand certain aspects of the character, the the voice actors in the case of the the dubs, sound in the case of M, uh, also just messing around with editing a little bit, like uh, for my case and uh, and my uh, my assistant editor's cases. And uh, yeah, just it, it, it was it was a really good testing ground that I, um, I think benefited the project overall. Uh, if we hadn't done that, then I'm not sure how the pilot would have come out. But um, I've, I've been just so impressed by what everybody brought to the team, even like the smallest parts, like even when somebody says to me, oh, well, I didn't do that much. I'm like, yeah, you did. That meant that was something I didn't have to do because I didn't have the time for it. Thank you for doing that. So it got the attention it deserved instead of just what I could spare. Um, but yeah, like I, you know, one of the major reasons why we're pushing the model that we are for uh, the upcoming season one is because we want to give back to that crew that made that all possible. Like it doesn't exist without that crew. I want to keep them on the project. I want to, you know, keep them um, fed and happy and, and they enjoyed working on the project. I would like to keep giving them, you know, roles and more to do even. So um, in the interest of in in their interest, not just our own, uh, trying to do something that keeps them all together. And and just the more we talked about it, the more we realized that the answer was independent financing, like going out and asking the public and saying like, we can do this with your help like a second time and hoping that uh, that's what kicks us off as a long-term sustainable thing. Because yeah. now that we've learned so much from the production process from the pilot, uh, making both like, not just like, what turned out good but also like what mistakes i learned from uh, applying that forward and making for a much smoother pipeline that's long-term viable uh offers people like actual like five-day work days and and you know uh salaries that are nothing to sniff at uh you know that you know it'll actually pay for your rent and food instead of everybody just kind of going like hunker down do what you can um and just paying back for all that effort, like as much as possible, because uh, we yeah. all went through so much. And I think that it is worth it to turn around and be like, okay, thank you for that. In return for that solid, I will do you the solid. And this is not my priority is my priority is you guys because there isn't lackadaisy without them at this mm -hmm. point. And it's worth noting too, that we have, I've said this on the uh, crowdfund page itself, but I feel lackadaisy has come to the fore at a very interesting time in in animation specifically a time where i think the modern fan of cartoons they simultaneously have more to pick from than ever before 
but also their shows have less stability than they've ever had before Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of shows out there that from what i can see they seemed very popular and they seemed very successful in finding their audience and they were canceled anyway or shows that were you know movies rather that were like 90 percent done and they were canceled Mm -hmm. and shows that debuted on various platforms to a lot of fanfare and they lasted one season and they're just kind of doesn't seem the will to let stories being finished like letting someone tell a complete story letting the story be finished and completely told and while cartoons are more popular than they've ever been especially cartoons for an adult audience are more popular than they've ever been they still don't have to my mind from my perception that the respect that they deserve in my opinion like live action dramas and cop show and <laughs> doctor show and what have you they they get all the respect in the world they're treated like the the serious deep... even they don't get it from hollywood though anymore. They <laughs> not anymore they, maybe these people yeah. they're trying to get rid of writers rooms they're trying to replace yeah. these people with ai or, or yeah. own own them in ai or they're threatening form, us anyway yeah. as a way of but, like doing strike breaking yeah. basically and i'm like i just don't um yeah. wherever that goes like the fact is is that i don't just des- i don't trust like the heads of these companies not to pull more shenanigans and run everybody off the road all over again in the service of like this quarter's like number um and the the fact is is that their customers are not their customers their customers are their shareholders yeah and And there's a yeah we want our customers to actually be our audience people watching it yeah there's a there's a quote that michael eisner it came out that Well, Michael Eisner, before he was CEO of Disney, he worked at Paramount. And while he was at Paramount, he sent around a memo that kind of escaped into the wild, which is why we know about it. And the memo said something along the lines of, we are under no obligation to make art. We are under no obligation to make beauty. We are only obligated to make money. That's it. Mm -hmm. And like, that's always kind of been the Hollywood game. But at the end of the day now, it's the lack of interest in the artistic side of media feels like it's at an all-time high and it's like the 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 audiences of course want more like you see them responding to stuff that is like more like even if it is like yet another marvel movie like they're more responsive to the to the standout stuff they're responsive to um unique properties that come out and even if it is like something based on ip like they want quality cats Mm-hmm. never apologize for cats yeah. they don't <laughs> and yeah it feels like there's no room or there's less room than there's ever been i should say yeah. rather uh it's not an absolute but less there's permission less basically it's like you're you're yeah. asking for permission to make things that you know people want but like the people yeah. who have the capacity to give you like the financing to make that possible yeah. they're increasingly a part of a set of folks that aren't really interested in adding in you know to the culture yeah. so much and, as they are in number go up and as a person who runs a you know media company i run a publisher i understand the motivation behind a lot of this because you have to there are books that i have turned down because i sit there and i go this is really interesting but at mm-hmm. the end of the day i do not think i can sell it And I am working on a much smaller scale, obviously, than, you know, Paramount or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I think the inherent expense of Hollywood, I don't think I know, the inherent expense of Hollywood is incredibly risk averse. They're not interested in experimentation and they're not interested in risks. They want 
something that they know people will turn out for because at this point it costs so much money to get anything off the ground and onto a screen that the margin for error is error is narrower than it's ever been if you're someone like bloomhouse or adult swim your shows are much more inexpensive so you can get way weirder with it and that is demonstrated by their output their output is kind of crazy <laughs> in a good way because they can afford Working at to minimum. have <laughs> yeah, yeah they yeah. can afford to have failures and i think frankly that's an important part of finding new and interesting ideas and media like you're gonna you're gonna flunk sometimes you're gonna screw up you're gonna fail to read the room and put out a book or a tv show or a movie that just does not find its audience and or i've had those find it at the right time even yeah. it's like some things I, take time yeah. Um, and where they become cult classics later, like Iron Giant yeah. is considered just a classic now. And now Warner loves to bank off of the cultural cachet. But yeah. at the time they were like, eh, yeah. you know, trash this. They didn't and care. I, I've had those so. moments where I think people are going to absolutely love something and I release it and it just lands with a thud. I'm like, dang it. But, you know, if Disney with Disney, if something lands with a thud at Disney, <laughs> they lose half a billion dollars. <laughs> they can't they can't experiment like the smaller guys do and a mm. lot of that feeds into what they choose to put on the screen which is you know lion king again little mermaid again beauty and the beast again why because they know you'll see it and committee yeah. algorithmically tested versions yeah. of lion king and little mermaid and, and the kind of the people bare minimum you can get who away make with. those yeah. decisions aren't particularly yeah. interested in some you know bright-eyed bushy-tailed 25 year old knocking on their door going i have this great idea for a brand new cartoon no one's ever heard of before and no one's ever heard of me either can i have 50 million dollars <laughs> to be fair i'm not sure it ever really worked like that i think that really yeah, but, something yeah, offense, because the 25 year old who's able to swing that is a very young one is a very rare one indeed. Yeah, oh, it's very a unusual. lot of other yeah. things behind that story yeah grant but, that's yeah. very unusual i'm just being goofy but you know, oh yeah you know oh yeah but yeah. But the fact is, is that um, we we initially did try to pitch this around to studios before we uh, went forward with a fundraiser for the pilot even. Yeah. And this was before we got Spike on board. I was pitching this around to different studios uh, with the assistance of Ashley Green, my roommate, my friend, uh, who also eventually uh, became one of our storyboard artists for the pilot, uh, helped me out with building a pitch packet, um, uh, as Tracy had mentioned in 2019. And so I was I was showing this around and getting feedback from people and they were like this is gorgeous and all but like we don't even know who we would sell this to because it's just too out there relative to to uh, what uh, mainstream services are are looking for are looking for and non mainstream didn't have the money to make that mm -hmm. um, if they if there even was like much of a you know much to offer even then. And so if you're talking to studios, uh, they want something that is going to make them enough money that they'll be able to, you know, mine it for a decade or more if they can, because, you know, the ideal model is a sitcom that just goes on and on and on and on. And, and I respect that because, you know, you got to make a buck. Yeah. But the, the trouble is that it, it doesn't leave much uh, oxygen for anything else to get made. Um, and so rather than pitching it to studios, like uh, even before I met Spike at Kala, you know, I was talking to Tracy, I was like, I'm positive this could get funded if we did a Kickstarter. We just knew that us running a Kickstarter 
wouldn't be as successful as if we got some outside help. And Spike was like at the top of my list for people to reach out to. I was just very fortunate. I was able to get in touch with her in person rather mm-hmm. than uh, the, the the sketchy way of the nightmare you know, shoot off that an email is my and, inbox. Yeah, yeah. And, and hope that you were looking at your inbox at the correct time and, <laughs> yeah. and didn't think I was trying to scam you. But yeah. um, the uh, so I was very fortunate. But uh, part of what made that work was by changing tactics and pitching it to the right person, not the usual person. And I knew that Spike Trotman would be a lot more respect, receptive to mm-hmm. Lackadaisy, given that she uh, comes from that web comics background versus like yeah. uh, the studio folks who do not. Um, so they don't know what the potential is because for most people familiar with web comics, if you say Lackadaisy, they're like, oh, I know that. Yeah, that should work out pretty well. But uh, folks who aren't familiar with web comics, like they just think it's brand new. They assume, you know, whatever ideas they have in their head about web comics is what they're what they're picturing when I say, yeah, this should actually work out pretty well. And you can't really fight against that. You you kind of have to talk to somebody who's already interested in that kind of thing in the first place. So yeah. um, I'm wondering if that might have been the smartest move was just to, to t- change tactics and go like, well, what do we want to c- accomplish? That's like a solid thing we could definitely do. Who helps us get this done and pitch it to that person? And our relationship with Spike has been like extremely beneficial as a result, <laughs> not just for the cartoon, but also because now the books have a home and because they desperately yeah. need one. Um, yeah. and, and it's so, something yeah. I want to, I want to keep doing. Yeah. I want to keep going forward with this. Like Lackadaisy has been an amazing experience and I'm so glad I get to be part of it, but like, I can't help, but kind of think in terms of, oh, this worked for Lackadaisy. Who else can it work for? What other ideas out there comics specifically because you know i'm always going to be about comics mm-hmm. Comics specifically could i take the books and make a pilot and show it to people and then say hey would you like a season of this and because see what happens it, it is hard to convince people to give up a bunch of money to like an unproven yeah. animated project but the the great thing about comics is that like no matter what as a creator at least at the end of the day you have that like it's it's mm-hmm. something you can do on your own um and it's either for, you know, it might be harder or easier depending on who you bring on board, but it's it's a great way to put forth something that is your own original idea and just see how it goes. Um, and then if there is enough interest, you can go, okay, well, maybe there's enough interest that you can fund something animated. And then that animation can then go and promote the comic. And that's what we found with the pilot is that it, it very, you know, the day it released, it, crashed the website like we're very nearly did like yeah. many a time uh, Tracy's webmaster uh Jay Lim <laughs> really had his work cut out for him as we were trying to be like ah keep it alive keep it alive don't let it die um but yeah it just it it brought more attention to the comic which then um helped uh get people more invested in it so then they're invested in buying books and and purchasing books and merch helps fund more cartoons which then gets people more invested in the comic so these things aren't like an, a you know one or another thing like they can very much feed off each other and encourage yeah. each other you see that kind of model exist in japan and i know that spike like from uh all my years of following you and what you've been talking about about the business of comics you've mm-hmm. been very interested in, in the uh manga to anime pipeline and and yeah. how these things feed each other um and it's like can you do that but like with less artist abuse in the mix um and it's like uh, i mean conceivably uh so that's what we're we're attempting to do here yeah we focus primarily when i say we i mean like iron circus comics we focus Mm -hmm. primarily on creator owned comics and i'd love to sort of like create this model of 
creator-owned animation where it's not mm -hmm. like the far outlier like Tracy has been where it's a thing people could actually strive for mm -hmm. and that is like we, we I feel like there's a German painting there's a German realist painting of a man standing on the precipice of this sort of fog enshrouded vista and and that's kind of how I feel these days <laughs> now that we have proven that this can be done like how far can it go Mm -hmm. I do have a couple questions, but like a couple last ones before we wrap. Um, just kind of talk about the current campaign. So mm -hmm. I think you guys may have passed your original one hundred and twenty-five thousand goal. Yeah, um, maybe by, by like, just a, like a, a little few bit. Dollars, I think. It's just you know uh, uh, how many? Like, what are we over nine hundred percent at this point? Yeah, over nine hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, half a million in twenty-four hours. Um, you're at almost one point two currently. Mm -hmm. um i believe almost, uh, almost. last time i yeah. checked um, yeah it's weird to be entering by the time the this episode comes out <laughs> yeah by the time this episode comes out on friday we're probably well above that um but uh, you've you guys have you got some really good um uh had some stretch goals they've pretty much all been beat um right now yeah zib's in the glass now we added we some more yeah. we added some more stretch goals for uh, so, uh, for context for your audience our um it, instead of a thermometer that you know goes up higher for a fundraising we razor we had our one of the characters zib from the comic just slowly drinking down a massive bottle that represents our fundraising well he at a million he ended up in the bottle and it's empty and now we have to come up with more goofy stuff for him to do for the uh the next few goals so I'm gonna yeah. put the bottle in a bottle and put that bottle <laughs> oh i have some fun ideas for what happens to him next awesome <laughs> so, yeah. um so can you tell us a little bit about like some of the um like some of the campaign um well i mean goals uh but like mm -hmm. some of the campaign things that you guys have because you've got all, you've got the plushies you've got the comics mm -hmm. um i got that early bird comic because i was like i want these in yeah. hardcover mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, that is a yeah, that's an Iron Circus Circus classic there, mm -hmm. because you know we're all trying to figure out how to survive capitalism, and I've had something like thirty eight campaigns to figure out how to make the crowd funds as popular as possible. One of the things that I love to do early on is on launch day for the first hour of the campaign that I have some backer levels where shipping is free domestically, so continental U.S and $20 off internationally. And that way it incentivizes people to pledge the minute it launches. And when people pledge the minute it launches, it knocks the, the, the campaign to the top of the popularity list. So it means whatever crowdfund platform it's on, it's gonna be on the front page. And when stuff is on the front page, more people click it. And when more people click it, it gets more popular. And when it gets more popular, it stays on the front page. And it kind of eventually feeds into this cycle where it's always in front of new people all the time. Yeah, and, nothing's by accident, basically. Yeah. Like, oh, there's all a lot of careful consideration into these campaigns. Exactly. Definitely got me. So like, <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, they, they launched. And I was like, oh, free shipping. Well. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. a lot of people, that's like, you have to figure out where the curbs are that people kind of refuse to step up. And shipping is one of those curbs. A lot of people refuse to step up. Step up. It's very, well, I'll, I'll wait until it's in the store. It's like, no, I, I need your money now. Yeah. <laughs> you want it in the store. We need the, the, the funds now. It's yeah. more about giving us yeah. the money so your friend gets to see it in the store. Exactly. Um, yeah. And that was like, that's one of the things we do. And once that helps the, the project start out on the right path, mm -hmm. uh, it, it also makes sure that a ton of people back right away. So, you know, it takes off very quick and it keeps mm -hmm. snowballing. And there, 
what you're sort of aiming for, and I hate how marketing-y this sounds, but it's like a thing I kind of have to do. Uh, once it gets to a certain level, it's popular because it's popular. And when something's popular because it's popular, it stays popular because people will eventually be like, why is this so popular? And they'll keep looking. And yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I gather that we might have had something here yeah. when the when the pilot went off and then I started seeing a whole ecosystem. Yeah. Like, like grabbing onto it on YouTube and starting to talk about it. And then when the te uh, the teaser and the backer kit went out, like the same thing happened again. I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. So this is a good sign yeah, because for the people who, you know, they make their living off of talking about stuff like this. Yeah. Um, they, they want to talk about it and there's enough material for, there for them to like really dig into it. Um, yeah. And we're happy to, to talk about it also. Like we're happy to provide that information and, and be as transparent as possible about um, how yeah. everything is going. Fan communities are incredibly important to oh, yeah. small mid projects uh, because- Shout out fan... to our community manager, yeah. Newt. Shout out to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, shout out to Newt. thank you. The and GOAT. By fan communities, I mean yeah. things like discords mm -hmm. and, you know, fan social media and and fan um, like pod people who- sit there and they do reactions to stuff because mm -hmm. that I mean at the end of the day that's kind of like free advertising and it, mm -hmm. it keeps the concept to the four of people's minds and that's that's incredibly important and, and out, I, outside of like the, the capitalistic um mm -hmm. uh in, encouragement it's also like good moral encouragement to see that other people who just love cartoons or like really enjoy what you have like one of the things yeah. that I didn't ever expected to to be enamored with but now i am is like those react channels where they watch a thing yeah. and they react to it and i used to be like oh, i don't get it but now it's like it's actually really cool to watch people watch a thing that you worked on and react to it and and see like what makes them light up or makes them go oh yeah. and you can see like how that differs from their usual content so it's been really interesting to see people where you're you're challenging them a little bit and that's what gets them more engaged actually mm -hmm. i don't think we quite answered your question though which was oh sorry yeah we were offering yeah. the uh the lackadaisy in hardcover books uh it's yeah. been out of print for a while now yeah. and so yeah. we have kind of re gathered mm -hmm. it all up into uh new hardcovers including um volume one volume two and, and mm -hmm. an art book that's full of lore and mini comics and tutorials and things um mm -hmm. with new extras in on the interior and new cover art and things of that nature um and uh we introduced the plushes as you know um mm -hmm. and unlocked a few more plushes uh as we hit those stretch goals uh for some of the some of the characters and mm -hmm. uh we introduced a large enamel pin set like massive enamel pin set oh yeah uh, i'm i'm really excited for that because it's like i want to hang that up on my wall it's basically a we're also on our place so reintroducing uh, a card game <laughs> that mm -hmm. uh had been out in very limited numbers uh a few years ago but um uh circumstances didn't allow us to keep making that so uh mm -hmm. we're going to bring that back because people keep asking so <laughs> we're like yep. hey why not we spent all this time making the card art signing the game all this I stuff added, and... I added that one to my card as the add-on because oh, cool. okay. I was like I was like thank you I, like I, awesome. it, it was one of those like I was looking and I was like what else are they gonna do and I saw a card game and I was like well I like card games <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it'll be covered in a, a like gorgeous art at minimum so it's like even when yeah. you're not playing mm -hmm. you just put it out and it's like oh that's aesthetic yeah uh, we... I think our, our yeah. highest goal is the cameo cat thing we kind of priced yeah. it out there intentionally because that is actually a lot of work to yeah, exactly. A character and, yeah. and design the character, work with someone to design a character, come up with a whole character sheet, and then and, it needs to and then animate it. 
the, yeah. the cost of that plus like you need to make sure that it's earning enough that it it also like makes sense that more of that money can go to crew and actually producing more cartoon not just making yeah. that one cat so um that's our little you know vanity yeah. offer for anybody who's interested right. but know. since we're making we, a lot of work for suspiciously right. wealthy furries out there if you but, want uh, to but yeah i mean our, yeah. our baseline goal was fund all of this to fund one episode of lackadaisy which was mm -hmm. at the 125k mark and we hit that and then got to the five episode season yeah. um so that was our end stretch goal that we thought was pie in the sky and we couldn't yeah, possibly like, fund this we'll much but we did yeah, after yeah. what six days i think we had that so yeah it wasn't um, even a week we can proudly say that it's like it was pretty yeah cool. so um, we decided days. uh what we would add after that is more animation <laughs> yeah um uh, which you know uh, we are eager to do anyway so mm -hmm. uh we've got at the 1.5 million mark a uh, series of mini episodes that we will slot in between episodes to yeah be like a one to five minute story. things that uh between episodes like we'll have uh, a little bit of you know funny bits uh some more character exploration that wouldn't necessarily fit into a season kind of like what already exists in yeah uh, so it's like tracy comics. has uh yeah. there's a lot of little shorts out there so yeah, little like mini just animating those yeah yeah, yeah, and it's like, uh, you know, those are largely what we did for the uh, the comic dubs even, and so we were hoping to do some um, original content, not just animating those existing things, mm -hmm. uh, but actually like creating new things that can give like more insights for fans who have been interested in this project over the, the decade plus that has, has existed. So we're really excited to get into that. And that way also like we keep our team occupied in between um, uh, long bouts of production so that like even while the animators are working on this we have board artists on this other thing so that we always have people occupied with stuff but also it's like just a better way to feed stuff to the internet because uh, animation can take a long time and we want to provide uh, something for people to enjoy in the meantime that is a, a good test of uh, our pipeline and seeing how sturdy it is and improve based on um, the uh, crew feedback uh, yeah, the real, how that goes. in yeah. my opinion, one of the real challenges of animation, independent animation, trying to secure a audience on the internet that will support it is animation mm -hmm. just takes so long. Like I come it from does. a comics background and if you are really on your game and you focus down on productivity, you can pump out a comic a day and that can keep your audience riveted. You can hold on to people to the point where they become fans who are eventually willing to support you in decent numbers. But you animation, can't pump out a cartoon a day. It doesn't you cannot. matter how I, simple. I, <laughs> yeah. I make a project of keeping an eye on animators who are popular on the internet, specifically YouTube. And it's clearly they are struggling to go as fast as they can. They eventually mm -hmm. surrender and turn to multi-person teams instead of an independent. And then just e to even have a presence, suddenly you're paying staff. And like a lot of people never get that far. It's just rough. And mm -hmm. one of the things that Fable and Tracy worked out was let's just make the audience an integral part of the making of process like mm -hmm. every time we do something we're going to show them what we're doing and we're going to talk to them we're going to bring them in and like interview voice actors and interview production people and make the production transparent and kind of part of the entertainment yeah it's not just about you know making it 
clear that, you know, what we're actually doing with the money, but also it helps educate the audience so they actually understand what goes into making cartoons, either if they want to make their own, but also just kind of helping with like encouraging respect for the craft and the people who make it and, and giving people like a window into a process that can be pretty opaque for most. And I remember when I was a kid, uh, what inspired me most to get into stuff was every time I got that window. So you could be encouraging the next generation of, of animators that you might work with in the future, or just um, at the very least, like just an education is can be a positive thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have ideas in their head of how movies or television gets made that is just very far off the mark. And it can be frustrating as a, as a creator in that space when people say things that are just bluntly wrong, but also you have to consider like, where are they even getting their information? Sometimes it's just like whatever they read in like some tabloid or whatever or rumors they've heard of some YouTuber saying something and what other sources of information are there out there? Like how often do they actually get to, you know, hear from the, you know, from the horse's mouth as it were, like mm -hmm. uh, what actually goes on? Um, and uh, I think the more transparent we are, instead of being like, fearful about sharing that, it's like, oh, that'll ruin the magic or or it'll like spoil people's enjoyment of the final product. I, I think it's quite the opposite. I think it's what encourages people to be more engaged in what they're, yeah. what they're involved in. Um, because I think that uh, most humans are engaged with stories, like storytelling is just kind of fundamental and there there's just some interest in, you know, for some people, they might be more or less dedicated to that, but some of your biggest champions are going to be the nerds who are very, very into it, and they will let everybody know. And that's how you get like that positive word of mouth. So just by being honest about what we're doing and 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 uh, informing people best we can, there's just like a lot of beneficial knock on effects, especially in the modern media and environment that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the advantage that we have right now that we didn't have like, uh, 20 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So we have this interesting mix of like an audience that's receptive to public funding, um, uh, tools that are less expensive and more available than ever before, um, and uh, a place to put it, um, and the ability to communicate like our studio is entirely set up on discord. Like we we have a virtual studio space instead of this like, oh, everybody be on a zoom call. It's we, we have a virtual space that is familiar already to most of our crew being like millennial and younger. Um, so they can comfortably work from home. They feel like they're in an office environment. At the same time, they can see how everybody else is doing and they have access to uh, myself and other team leads. Um, so, mm -hmm. uh, so far, so good. Uh, we just uh, wanna make that even more robust as we go on and that's what the funding is about. Uh, making it more robust, improving pay rates, uh, making it so that like none of us have to sit there and like, you know, juggle our savings account and be like, okay, what could, what, what can I manage to shell out to, you know, help this, help more of this and, uh, you know, keep it going into the future. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, I did have, I did have one final question. So for this season, can you tell us a little bit about the timeline for the series that you guys are going to be making? Uh. Um, is it, cause I mean like the pilot isn't anything from the comics. It, it seems to be something a little bit, you know, past. Yeah. It's like, like it's the lackadaisy sampler platter basically. It's exactly. It's like, are, are we going to, yeah. are we yeah, going to be we... doing stuff like, are we going to call like from the short, is that where we're going to mm -hmm. go? Are we going to have some backstory? Yeah. How are we, we're going to pick up where the basically where the comic uh, mm -hmm. begins. Um, so it'll it'll cover a lot of volume one, um, season one. 
Um, and we'll also expand a bit upon that to explore some character backstory and things that we didn't that aren't really covered in, in volume one and become things that you pick up later through mini comics and stuff like that. We figured that actually might do better integrated into the story. Um, so we'll be doing that, but we'll be approaching things a bit differently. Um, we're not going to do a, uh, a sort of, um, expository introduction and things like that. We're going to try to tell the story more organically in that mm -hmm. way. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I think it'll be pretty familiar to people who've read the comic, but it'll be presented in a very different way because it's a different medium mm -hmm. and you just, I mean, there's things that work great for comics that don't work so well for animation and vice versa. So it's also, um, it's, it's going to be fun to um, come back to parts of the comic that were done like so many years ago and being like, what, what else can we do? And yeah, uh, there's stuff, Tracy you know, it's fun. my my yeah. opportunity to go back and fix things that always bothered me about the way I approached, yeah. uh, you know, so it's like, oh, I get to revise my old work, but um which is half half dream come true and half nightmare in some ways, but yeah. um, <laughs> that, that's that's the business first. Is dream come true and a nightmare all wrapped up in one. Yeah, it's but no, no, I've like got <laughs> now I've got all yeah. of the the extra dimension that all of these other artists uh, and actors and musicians bring to the table, and I think so. I think it'll be a much much different experience than what the comic delivers, um, and. Uh, uh, but yeah, so the pilot is basically its own standalone thing. It was an introduction to these characters mm -hmm. and the conflicts in the world and and the the existence that of of their interrelationships that aren't really expounded upon so much in in that in the course of that pilot, but are hinted at. Mm -hmm. um, and so the the comic will then do the job of you know letting you know why uh, you know Mordecai didn't pull the trigger at the last moment there and things like that. So. Spoilers, sorry. Uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, Gun man, don't shoot. What? <laughs> but that's all he does. Um, so yeah, uh, it's it's going to follow a, a storyline. It's not just going to be, you know, pick up at some random spot where some unfamiliar thing has happened that seems like it might be in the canon, but isn't really. Um, mm -hmm. So it'll, it'll actually begin, you know, kind of... Uh, yeah, in that in that spot where Lackadaisy finds itself uh, struggling, and Rocky is is just beginning his job as um, self appointed rum runner. <laughs> uh, awesome, because like that was one of the things that I was a little bit worried about. Because like mm -hmm. I hate it when they're like, "Hey, you have to have watched." four seasons of oh, the yeah, show no, no. in order to understand no, this episode i yeah uh, too much of a gateway we want yeah. it to be accessible yeah. because actually the the animation reached a much bigger audience than i probably have in my entire career of, of doing it as a comic um kind of instantaneously and so we can't just drop people drop it into a place where people then have to do a bunch of research before they can even begin watching it that just seems like the wrong thing to do so but that also was like never the intent like our intent was always to adapt right. what's there and like yeah upon it the best and it is, it is a finite story so. with an intended beginning and an end mm -hmm. and so we don't want to just pick up in the middle somewhere so yeah. Um, so yeah, we will start at the beginning. Yeah. So for awesome. folks who are confused and they think that pilot means episode one, it's like, no, 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 no. No, it's a different yeah. thing in this case. Your, your introduction to the Sometimes, idea in some days. cases, yeah. a pilot is a first episode, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. kind of. Uh, but in a lot of cases, it is not. It is just a, this is the thing we're trying to make. Here's the pitch for it, basically. And, mm -hmm. and here it is in episode form. So you kind of get a sense of how it'll look and feel. And uh, and mm -hmm. that is really what the, the lackadaisy pilot is. Um, uh, yeah. But Yeah. Awesome. It's not episode one. 
Okay. Dead. Okay. That's I, I, again. That was the thing that I was like, "Oh no, I hope it's not." But <laughs> my fears have been alleviated. So oh, good. Okay. That, that yeah. makes me happy. Um. So, where can people find you? Uh, find you all social media wise and Lackadaisy social media wise if they want to follow you guys. Uh, Lackadaisy.com has uh, links to pretty much everything uh, that we've got going right now. We have a animation devlog. We have the backer kit, of course, the comic itself. Um, and social media links are all there. Um, uh, so it's kind of a hub for, for anything related, but, uh, we also are pretty active on, on other social media. Fable, if you want to give your yeah, Twitter. Uh, yeah. My, I'm Fable Paint everywhere. So that's a uh, Fable, F-A-B-L-E, and then Paint, P-A-I-N-T, with the exception of Twitch, where it's Fable underscore Paint. Um, and, uh, you can find some of my information over at FablePaint.com, which I sorely need to update. Uh, sometimes there's also a live cam of my parrots. So if you're curious about where those beeping noises come from, if any of it leaked into this interview, then you can <laughs> you can take a look at that. I'll get it set up again. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I will continue to call it Twitter. <laughs> it's uh, I, you can find it on Twitter. You, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Blue Sky, uh, which I'm very much enjoying currently. You can find me on Tumblr. Um, you can find me on. I guess Instagram, but I don't really use Instagram. Um, uh, I, I was on DeviantArt for a while. If you want to take a look at my really old artwork and go, what? Um, there, That's there. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, you can follow also uh, the, you know, the uh, current progress on everything. If you want to take a look at the YouTube, I believe it's youtube.com slash lackadaisy comic. Lackadaisy mm -hmm. comic. So. I mean, if you just go to YouTube and search Lackadaisy, you'll, you'll find it. So. It'll be at the top. Yeah. 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 And Hard for my... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. For my part, um, I am Iron underscore Spike on Twitter, but I am Iron Spike, all one word, pretty much everywhere else. I am most active right now on Blue Sky. You can also find me on Co-Host and Pillow Fort, where, again, I am Iron Spike, all one word. Co-host features my webcomic, Placata, which is about horse cultures, space aliens, and being a terrible person and running from your past. I haven't updated it in forever, and I'm very sorry. I have another, <laughs> I have another comic. Uh, uh, can I plug my, uh, my currently in hiatus comic then? Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, if you want to have uh, zombies in New Hampshire, and then they wake up again, and they're like twisted, messed up zombie people, like you can go to ombigogcomic.com uh you can also find it through uh my my website but yeah if you want to see what my individual storytelling style is like that's a place just warning it is a, a zombie comic so there do be violence uh but uh uh it's in the interest of telling like a something interesting uh but also i i i like zombie is cool i guess <laughs> <laughs> i like monsters and body horror so yeah yeah, uh, I have another comic that you can find on co-host. Again, I'm Iron Spike, all one word there. That comic mm -hmm. is called Ordinary. It's about a small black void that is a monster and his best friend who is a human, but who is also a monster in some very important and unsettling ways. I also have not updated that in forever. And I am also very sorry about that. But yeah, yeah. Blue Sky, co-host, Pillow Fort. I'm Iron Spike there. Come find yeah. me. I'm eager to get back into comic making myself. It's like, I love making cartoons, but there's something really special about making comics uh, where you just sit there and you can just enjoy this thing kind of starting to coalesce around you. And it's it's stressful, but it's it's really fun at the same time. And I've been collecting uh, a bunch of stuff lately to to help myself get back into it. 
So awesome. And we'll put everybody's links in the show notes. So all you have to do is just pop that up on either your iTunes or Spotify, be able to click on the little link there. So it'll take you wherever you need to go. Um, mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at What's Up Fandom on Twitter or X or whatever it decides to call itself next week. Um, at <laughs> <Hell what's, out. laughs> uh, yeah. It'll call itself 1.36919XP, whatever, who knows. <laughs> um, you can find this there on What's Up Fandom PC for Podcast. Um, all of our fandom episodes come out on Fandom Fridays. We also have our anime episodes and the anime book club that comes out every Monday for Anime Mondays except for right now because we haven't recorded one in a couple weeks and that's you know it happens um but yeah check <laughs> us out there um all your social media places and you can listen to this podcast wherever you download podcasts so itunes podbean google play spotify audible anywhere and everywhere we are available um but everyone, can i get thank- it off of my brain chip <laughs> oh god uh <laughs> Give me about 20 minutes. We'll download the <laughs> RSS feed and that way you'll get it. Uh, I wish. Oh, man, that would be that would be easy. That way you don't have to worry about downloading just straight in all the time. Oh, that'd be great. Podcast uh, is not responsible for seizures, tumors, discomfort, dry mouth, spontaneous pregnancy. We are, we are responsible for dry mouth. That is us. So I will take if you get dry mouth during this episode as on me. Um, I will take that. I will take that to, uh, from you. Um, but yeah, so uh, again, thank you all so much for joining us. It was, thank it was you. great. Thank you thank for you. having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Fun bye, chat. everybody. All right. Bye, bye. everybody. Bye. bye. Thank you so much. <laughs> Kiss your kitty. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>